Hey everybody, this is Petey from Spin Rack, and I'm just going to do a second part to my chapter one since I started with the first four issues. I'm just going to call out three issues um, with the run just to point highlight some, some of my, well, three of my favorite issues in this, you know, because as, as the series runs, you could see the, well, the, it's, I mean, it's hard to say that when you have um, the original stuff by um, by Stanley and Steve Ditko, but you can see the art start to really build as far as Burns inking and finishing on this series, right? If you see this cover, like you see the if you saw the the Far From Home movie, like even though I think John Romita did some really cool stuff, large like amusement stuff in here. Burn just took it to a different le level on this thing, right? Because he'd already been playing with doing upside-down panels and having Mysterio in here, who at times a lot of creators kind of look at him and say, this guy is pretty lame with the fishbowl. And they just kind of highlight that. But the whole thing is a mystery, not knowing what it looks like. And then to start out like this, right? So... If, if Spider-Man is able to do it, Mysterio is kind of taking taking a note from him in this series. So if you've been reading it and you've been, and I've talked many times about the upside down panels, Mysterio kind of takes it to another level, right? So he kind of is usurping Spider-Man's power in the book, right? So he comes in here just like in the original story. And I think they had the colors on this stuff. They didn't try to do anything extra, which is cool. And then, of course, Mysterio shows all of the tricks that he can do. All right? And then we have the Human Torch, who came after a fight with Spider-Man. And he's looking good, too. So it's, um... These next two issues are the last two issues he inked. Right, so you can start to see that um, I don't know. Does just the ink just got better and better as it went along, like very different from no one. I think I don't know. I can't even. I know at this point he was working with a brush during this period, but it's just a little different. I don't know, just because it's uh, but the angles, all the stuff, some of the stuff he can't couldn't do with Wonder Woman. It's like exploiting with Spider Man. These sort of angles. And flipping the camera around and such. Spider-Man with the the boots being able to take out Mysterio and finally shut down his power. So this is the hook of what Byrne was doing ultimately when he changed the costume. That the costume would be more the the, elect the electricity rather than the, than the original look. Which I know people didn't take to. But anyway. And this way, he was thinking he was going to do a whole solid black on the costume, but he went with the classic, you know, black with blue highlights, right? The torch comes in. They're not in there for a fight. Spider-Man's trying to finish things up. And this is where people kind of take the whole um, Green Goblin thing because Stan remembered wrongly that, hey, the... Electro became someone who wasn't in the book. He was just some nobody, right? And he constantly said that that's what they wanted to do with the um, 
Green Goblin, so everyone says, oh yeah, they already did that with Electro. But that wasn't the plan. That wasn't Dick Toast's plan. He already said that a few times, right? So we got some great pictures. Um, it's also the end period of the very baggy look that people used to have and going from the 90s to the 2000s. It wouldn't be till the dip set would have start bringing people back down to normal size clothes. And Betty shows up. He's going close to her. And then. Like yeah, the drama in this part is is really him really capturing it. Where it's like he won, he's had this great victory over Electro, and um, J. Jonah Jameson would go out and kill it, right? Oh man, I don't know. I should should I just keep going through this uh, and go through every issue? And then Mysterio from the earlier part, Mysterio. Uh, they put an ad out to take him, you know, have meet him on the Brooklyn Bridge. So this, Burn would feel like he would kind of hint to stuff that would happen later, right? But with Gwen Stacy and Goblin. So they meet on the bridge. And this is what you want. You want someone that can get around Spider-Man's powers. You don't want to do stories where you just show how cool Spider-Man is. You want to Lined up just like the early ones where he can get beat. So then there's somewhere to go when the next issue comes, right? And Mysterio just appears, right? Spider-Man puts a tracer on him and this is I think almost throwback to Alien because it's a I think it was an African guy who played Alien Spider-Man going on the upside down panel right he's walking in there and he finds finds Mysterio's outfit or does he and see something like this in the in the far from home right so then we get to this one and so what a way to leave like to leave where we have the goblin and the hulk right and this is as i said before when burn was doing his run this is what the look that he was going for i think it's in uh, hulk issue um four or five they have a panel this is almost the exact panel right so really getting that kirby sort of look in there and more of mass instead of a sort of Arnold, right? And look at the how small Spider-Man is to to what's name. And I think you know, throw this in there. Um, Alan Davis's Spider-Man is almost the same sort of build as Burns. It's really close, right? And the Goblin's looking amazing. The art in this thing is like, <laughs> and you can see that like Burns' inking is con constantly shifting. You know, he's constantly changing his approach. There's some of the times effects people feel that's his, you know, him getting lazy or something like that. But he's constantly trying to broaden his approach. 
where we got to this period where you see it just start to build and the colors, all the effects, right? But Spider-Man is realizing, hey, how could he throw me out in space and we're just in another room? And that's cool where he hits him. And he put a track on him, which he doesn't know, so the spider sense can connect to that. And so my spider sense is tingling because of the close proximity of the spider trace I planted on the stereo when I met him earlier as Peter Parker earlier today. Yeah, I messed it up. But anyway, it's overpowering my normal spider sense. Let's make sure we got this, because he said um, everyone heard what happened, right? So, says he spotted the intercom when he got into the room so they could hear it so it's not a, not a big bit but um so and this is one of the things that I don't think when Green Goblin appears, um, Norman Osborn appears a few issues later. So, Byrne has him meeting, meeting Norman Osborn earlier, which I think works for the thing, but it, there's no way to really do the mystery, so I think he cut that out in the next issue, right? So he's going on this trip, And then he's establishing that Peter Parker is clearly a little bit younger than the rest of the people. That he's going to be going off to college soon, but not saying if it's, you know, he has one more year of high school or not. And then we get the Goblin. This is cool, where despite we can get hit, but I think the way I think Roger Stern plays it, that as long as Spider-Man doesn't decide to, to hold back, these guys can fight him, which isn't a way to go, right? 
and then we get the we get to jump to the present story now these flash you know flashes to in the beginning are just like a longer sequence from the classic um splash page that hints what's going to come later so starting with that it's not like i know some people are like why is he doing that <laughs> but you got so many just i think black panther so many stories where they jump around in time um, what's that thing um pulp fiction stuff like that right and we got sort of what the hulk would have been had burned um you know been able to stay on it right and that there's no way spider-man can even fight him and that's one of the key things in Burns, so even the other one. When he fights people, it's not about, hey, let me just cut loose and then I can win. And then he uses this to escape the Hulk. So the Green Goblin plan to have this this um, to finish Spider-Man the first time. stuck because he got to pay his own fare back and Tate Burton kind of said there's no point in doing the mystery since everyone already knows but act like it's just a sort of a setup already right so we get to this one which would be the one of the few guest stars there's also Daredevil guest stars in this outside the Hulk but I think Giant Man really got the whole you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Now, this follows the original story. But I think... Um, but um, this just showcases how cool these guys could be, right? So Aunt May is now in the hospital. And... Um, the wasp is thinking that Spider-Man's a bad guy. So she goes after them. She attacks him first. He uses his web to capture her. And she says, oh no. She just signals to say that, um... Let me go back.
So Egghead um, so sends this false message, which of course gets to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And they, she goes out to look for him, but she's not supposed to engage, right? She does engage, Spider-Man captures with his web, and then she goes out to help, right? And while they call the police, he's going to do the crime of the century, right? See what it says? The old saying of how big a hard fall, hard, how hard the big ones fall, right? So we're inverting that statement, right? So it's not exactly the cliche, right? And, um, but this is the trick, which they kind of forget, which I think he uses on the Hulk, that he, at this point, he could change, go from big to small at will almost instantaneously and could dodge dodge spider-man speed right and wasp joins in but spider-man's quick and see how he webbed up but that's why he can't and see in the movie he just got webbed up and fell to the floor right in civil war this says nope he's too big it just flexes and he can break out of that right Spider-Man is trying to get away, but then Giant-Man gets even bigger. Yeah, see? And he moves regular speed, not trying to do the real science. It's not real science. Can't do that. Then you just have a character that's a liability, right? So they're planning to do their crime and taking this, this thing. And then Spider-Man saying, you attacked, he said he attacked us. And he's like, no, you attack guys attack me. Right? So then they talk it out. But then... I think this happens in the original, but then the great visual showing him Spider-Man's face and him get smaller, right? So then they realize that it's a fake broadcast, and they go after Egghead. And cool to show that you couldn't just, um, like, step on the wasp without her doing something. Then Giant Man gets in here and... So Wasp, of course, insults Spider-Man yet again, and Spider-Man bolts, right? And at this point, um, um, Betty is upset because he's been blowing her off, right? But he's not been blowing her off. He's been trying to save, you know, fight against the Goblin and all this other stuff, right? And she kind of jets out, and... Um, And at the end, he gives up being Spider-Man, right? So, since I'm here, I'm only 20 minutes in. Let's just give you the end of this story, right? It's the end. I think he covers a lot in this issue. 
a lot of the last issues up to 18. This was um, Ditko's big plan that Stan wasn't happy with um, with um, J. Jonah Jameson having this big, huge smile, right? That Spider-Man kind of gave up. Betty's trying to figure things out. And he's jumping around while Aunt May's in trouble. All right. And um, connecting the stories that happened before. They haven't seen Spider-Man, but Giant Man speaking for him here. You know, Daredevil also not believing it. You know, the torch... The torch comes up in here in a second, right? And the torch believing in him. So it's a good moment in Spider-Man's life where the other heroes realize he's not really the bad guy that people portray. But Aunt May's back. She's doing better. finally opening up you know that she's um not with flash and um not just flirting with him trying to show what he can do but it's not interested and realize that he's there's so so much negativity that the crooks can just say, hey, call a cop. And then Spider the cops will come after Spider-Man. And then Burn connected these two with that similar hairstyle. I think that's in the Zero issue. And he realizes that... Um, Aunt May's doing a little better. Betty's into Peter, but she can't she can't trust him right now. So she moves on. Spider-Man trying to sell his um his webbing. But I think for story-wise, it's supposed to be an hour that it breaks, but it's like saying, hey, then I was just supposed to be permanent. They're not interested in it. Then the Sandman pops up. And they had this him, instead of him showing up early, he shows up later. And uh, Sandman is a, it's kind of hard to, the character hard to handle. Spider-Man done right. He can't, shouldn't even really be able to beat him. But while he does that, he rips the mask and you see Spider-Man running. So it even gets worse for him. So all this stuff was in... The um, I think this is the cover. This is similar to the cover of the issue, I think 17 or something like that. So, one of the things at this point, there's really all it is is um, taking the Spider Man bits and kind of tying it together in kind of a, a positive way, like a not a positive but a more cohesive way, right? Instead of flying by the seat of your pants, setting up Norman Osborne early. Um, you know, we had this bit with, um, Flash, 
going out of Spider-Man and then him getting beat up by these people capturing the mask being mixed up. And even Flash, well, this is the saddest moment in his life. Even Flash isn't with it anymore. Betty's moved on to Ned Leeds. It's like, how can things, anything get any worse for him? But the one positive is that Aunt May is doing better. And he's like, nope, he's not sticking with any of this negativity. He's coming back. Now, the story was supposed to end right here. But Byrne gave a little bit of a, a comeback to this. So he finished up the story where you have the final fight between the Sandman and um, Spider-Man, right? And then Spider-Man gets a vacuum, takes them. He does a phony fight with them to take some pictures. And ending on a positive note, not clearing up his struggles with um, um, J. Jonah Jameson. But um, yeah. So yeah, there we go. We we did four issues of the, I think, nine to do. So um, just to show you where it's changed from Burns inking to Al Milgram's inking. I think people had issue with it, but it goes with the saying the Burns needed an inker. I, like, you can't really complain when he gets an inker and they say, well, not that one. <laughs> I guess you can, but um, it's not, you know. So there you go. Chapter one, after this part, also I think outside of um, Electro, I don't think there's much changes to the actual history of Spider-Man, you know, besides bridging and pushing characters up and switching the timing and not having sort of the, um, some of the stuff that Ditko does more, does better, the interpersonal relations where Byrne does some of that, but some of that gets kind of delayed and for more of the action stuff so but burn does that stuff well too right but he's giving you more bang for your buck as far as the action starting with the action getting into story and then going back to the, the action of the story so there we did it we closed off this chapter on chapter one spinner out